Okay, good morning. I'm excited to be here. I'm excited that you're here. Um, we're going to be in the book of Ezra and in Matthew 9. So if you wanted to go ahead and, and go there, and we'll get to that in just a second. Uh, but we're, if you want to go ahead and go there in your Bibles or whatever devices you're using, just uh, that's what will be in Ezra and then Matthew chapter 9. Um, I want to start off by talking about something that I am extremely passionate about, something that, that motivates me and drives me, and that is food. Um, I, uh, I've done sermons about food. I, I use basically all my social media stuff to talk about food. Um, it is a, a very important part of my life. And so when I find stories about food, I, I like to share them. And I found this story not too long ago. Um, we'll go to this first slide. Um, about a place called Jones Barbecue Diner. Just by show of hands, does anybody know, has anybody been to Jones Barbecue? Perfect. We're all learning this morning. Oh, you have. Have you really? Oh, excellent. Um, so everybody but Jay knows everything I'm talking about. So or Jay knows everything that I'm about to talk about. So um, Jones Barbecue is in Mariana, Arkansas. So if you're on I-40 and you're headed towards Memphis, um, you're going to take the, the Forest City exit and go south about 20 miles and then you're going to hit Jones Barbecue Diner. This place has been open since 1910. Uh, so over 110 years. I did the math before I got up here. That's about right. But over 110 years old, it's the, the oldest black-owned business in America. It's been in the Jones family for obviously that long. But it's this fantastic barbecue place in the middle of nowhere, Mariana, uh, south of Forest City. And uh, if you can go to the next slide... Um, James Jones is the, up until 2020, was the only James Beard Award winner in the state of Arkansas. Uh, In 2020, the Lassus Inn, I believe is how you pronounce that, in Little Rock, got a James Beard Award. But up until then, James Jones was the only uh, James Beard Award winner, which is this prestigious food award that's only given out to five individuals or restaurants every single year. And again, up until 2020, Jones Barbecue was the only one in the state. Now in February, you go to the next slide, I thought about showing some pictures of food, but I want you to hang with me for just a little bit longer before we start thinking about what we're doing for lunch. But um, let me just tell you, it's, you're missing out. But uh, in February of this year, we'll go to the next slide, uh, Jones Barbecue burned to the ground. Actually about 70% of the structure burned. Uh, it was a Sunday and there was a grease fire that happened. And the, the story goes that Mr. Jones was at church. He got the call that his building was on fire. He goes, and then by the time he got there, it was kind of, there was nothing he could do about it. About 70% of it burned to the ground. Now, this was something that, like, the food community of Little Rock, like, was, was upset about, rightfully so. It was like this prestigious place in Mariana, the only James Beard Award winner in the state at the time. Uh, his building burned down. And I'm, I'm telling this story, obviously, because I, I wouldn't start off a sermon with a sad story. Um, it's like, and then he never opened again. Um, but, but what happened is this community rallied around Jones Barbecue Diner. Uh, there was a GoFundMe that was set up. Uh, there was a venture organization in Arkansas that, that rallied around this guy to create funds, to create uh, resources, supplies. They, they even had like um, equipment donated so they could get this place up and running again. If you go to the next slide, um, they rebuilt it. So it burned in February, and then by the end of May, it was already back going. And I, I looked at a couple of interviews this week that James Jones did, and he talks about being just shocked at how people were willing to rally behind his barbecue restaurant 
They said that he got donations from as far as Australia of people just giving money to say, hey, we want to help and get this thing back going. And my, my favorite story was he figured, he said, I, I figure I've got to get going because people won't quit calling me about asking me when I'm going to start selling barbecue again. And it's this, this powerful story um, that, that I clearly connect with because of food. But as, on a human level, I connect with because there's something powerful about when something is rebuilt. There's something powerful about seeing a community gather around someone or something or, or just someone or whatever and saying, hey, like, I know that this is a difficult time for you. I know that your, your place of business has burned to the ground, but we are going to rally behind you and help you rebuild. There's something that draws us in when we hear stories like this. And it really drew me in that it was talking about barbecue too. So I was like, I'm very interested in the food element. And then I hear about this community that has rallied around this one guy to say, hey, we're not going to let you do this alone. We're going to be there with you and we're going to help you rebuild. I think that our, our human nature, why we gravitate to stories like this, is because it's just part of who we are. The Bible speaks to stories like this. I mentioned a second ago that we're going to look just briefly at the book of Ezra. Ezra is this fantastic story uh, rooted kind of right in the middle of the Old Testament about the rebuilding of the temple. In its original manuscript, Ezra was combined with Nehemiah. It was really basically Ezra 1 and Ezra 2, but then later when the editors came in, they, they separated it and they made it Ezra and Nehemiah. But they tell essentially the same story of the rebuilding of the temple. Chapter 1, we can go to the slide. Um, this is what Cyrus, king of Persia, says. I'm going to go on mine just so I can see a little better. The Lord, the God of heaven, has given me all the kingdoms of the earth, and he has appointed me to build a temple for him at Jerusalem in Judah. Any of his people among you may go up to Jerusalem and Judah and build the temple of the Lord, the God of Israel, the God who is in Jerusalem. And may their God be with them. And in any locality where survivors may now be living, the people are to provide them with silver and gold, the goods and livestock, and the free will offerings for the, for the temple of God in Jerusalem. Now, Ezra begins with God giving people, via Cyrus, permission to come back into Jerusalem. They've been in exile and in captivity. So they've been given this green light to come in. But we also have to think about who is who's kind of the earthly permission giver is King Cyrus. He's a pagan king. He is not one of them. He is the person lording over them. And you can see that even in the language that Cyrus uses uh, when he says, May in verse 3, uh, the God of Israel, the God who is in Jerusalem, and may their God be with them. There's this separation that Cyrus is letting us know that, like, like I'm not about that God, but I'm giving them permission so that they can worship their God. So he's giving them the green light to come back into the city of Jerusalem. Now you see as you move forward through Ezra, kind of you get a bunch of lists, you get supplies, you get people. But in chapter 4 is kind of where things start to turn up a little bit. Because Ezra's vision of this rebuilding isn't just for the religious de religiously devout people. It's, it's for everybody. Everybody benefits from this rebuilding. Think Jones Barbecue, the, the the building that is rebuilt, everyone in the community benefits because they get delicious barbecue. In the same way here in Ezra chapter 4, furthermore, the king should know that if this city is built and its walls are restored, no more taxes, tribute, or duty will be paid, and eventually the royal revenues will suffer. Ezra is saying, if we rebuild this, this is for everybody. Everyone will benefit, not just us, but everybody in the community. And often when 
rebuilding happens, there can be periods of opposition. There can be people that say, you know what, I don't want you to rebuild this temple. I don't want you to do this thing. I don't want you to, uh, to move forward with restoring what has been broken, restoring what has been burnt down. And you see that even in the book of Ezra. In verses 3 through 5, But Zerubbabel, Joshua, and the rest of the heads of the family of Israel answered, You have no part with us in building a temple to our God. We alone will build it for the Lord, the God of Israel, as King Cyrus, the king of Persia, commanded us. Verse 4, Then the peoples around them set out to discourage the people of Judah and make them afraid to go on building. They bribed officials to work against them and frustrate their plans during the entire reign of Cyrus, king of Persia, down to the reign of Darius. And then in verse 24, thus the work of the house of the Lord in Jerusalem came to a standstill until the second year of the reign of Darius, king of Persia. Now, I include that, that specific verse because that gives us a timeline that lets us know that there were about two decades of waiting that happened before they could rebuild the temple because of all of these people that were against them. They had to wait to do what they knew they needed to do. They had to to wait for this uh, obstruction. The people who were against this, the rebuilding of the temple, they had to wait a little bit. But then eventually we see this beautiful thing happen in chapter 6. On the 14th day of the first month, the exiles celebrated the Passover. The priests and the Levites had purified themselves and were all ceremonially clean. The Levites slaughtered the Passover lamb for the exiles, for their relatives, the priests, and for themselves. So the Israelites who had returned from the exile ate it, together with all who had separated themselves from the unclean practices of their Gentile neighbors in order to seek the Lord, the God of Israel. For seven days they celebrated with joy the festival of unleavened bread because the Lord had filled them with joy by changing the attitude of the king of Assyria so that he assisted them in the work of the house of God, the God of Israel. Ezra is this biblical journey of of wanting to rebuild what is broken, of wanting to, to restore what ha- has been burnt down, and to say, God, I, I know that you are leading us in this situation to fix what has been broken. And we, we see kind of this roller coaster of emotions where there's this, this excitement when they are welcomed back into the city. They're given permission to start building. Then the frustration of the obstacles that come up because it's just, it's not going the way they want to. Or there are people there that are saying, no, you can't do this. Or you, you have to do it the way that we want to do it. But then when they persist and they say, you know what, we are going to stay on the track of where God is leading us. Then they start to reap the benefits that we see in Ezra chapter 6. And the recognition that the attitude has changed of the king, that now they can celebrate because they've begun to work on what is broken. Now, we're not going to get into the book of Nehemiah, but Nehemiah takes it further and you get more details of what the story, the rebuilding of the temple looks like. Now, I started today talking about how, like, as, as human beings, like, we connect with stories of rebuilding. That we, we need those stories to give us hope to give us something to look forward to, to know that like, hey, when we find ourselves in, in desperate or difficult situations, like it, it doesn't mean that it's over. That sometimes it's, we have to work through that. Maybe sometimes we have to be patient. That's why I included that passage in 424 where the Israelites had to wait for two decades before they could proceed with what they wanted to do, what they knew that God was calling them to do. Sometimes waiting has to be involved in the process of rebuilding. Just like in the, the story of Jones Barbecue, he couldn't, in February, just start rebuilding. Like, they needed things to go in place so that he could rebuild his business the way that he needed to, better and stronger than before. But the story of rebuilding doesn't just 
limit itself to the Old Testament. We, we see this in the New Testament too, where Jesus talks about rebuilding the kingdom of God, but what, what goes into that rebuilding process. And I want to just briefly do a quick overview of some of these, I call it like a you know, bullet point of miracles that we see starting in Matthew chapter 8. And I've got those here, and we just walk through them. But in Matthew chapter 8, Jesus cleanses a leper in verses 8 through 1 through 4. Uh, in, 5, in 5 through 13, the centurion's servant is healed. In 8, 14 through 17, Peter's mother-in-law and others are healed. In 23 through 27, Jesus calms the storm. Uh, in 28 through 34, the healing, uh, he heals two demon-possessed men. In 9, uh, 1 through 8, he heals the paralytic. In 18 through 20, he restores the life of a daughter. In 20 through 26, he heals a woman. In 27 through 31, he heals two blind men. And just for good measure, he heals another demon-possessed man in verses 32 through 34. It's this like crazy, just boom, 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 boom. He's healing in, verse, in chapters 8 through 9. Over and over again, he is doing kingdom things. He is rebuilding the kingdom, basically one healing at a time. He's restoring these people. He's helping these people that are broken feel renewed over and over and over again. And I, and I would have loved to go through each of those stories, but there's just there's so many jam-packed right in, verses, in chapters 8 and 9 of Matthew. But it's at the end of Matthew chapter 9 that Jesus says what I, I wanted this sermon to really be about. In verse 35, Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to the disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his field. Now think about this for a second, like what we, we just highlighted. That the disciples are along this journey with Jesus in, in 8 through 9. And they're seeing these miracles happen. They're, they're seeing uh, Jesus heal these lepers. They're seeing him heal these, the centurion's servant, the mother-in-law, like all of this. They're seeing all of that. They're on the boat when the storm is calmed. They're experiencing all of that. And then when that's all over in this setting, what happens is Jesus says, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. I've thought about that a lot this week. Um, and, and why does Jesus, why does he get serious when he could celebrate? Do you see what I'm saying? Like, you, you see all of these miracles. Like, that should be like a high-five tunnel of the disciples being like, you did it, Jesus, that was awesome, that was super cool, that was great. And all of a sudden in this moment, we're like, my my position is to look at that and be like, let's celebrate. Let's take a break and let's look at this and say like, man, this is awesome. We helped so many people. We healed so many people. We, we helped so many communities, blah, blah, blah. What Jesus does is he says, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. And I think it's so interesting that when he has the opportunity to celebrate, he gets serious. And what's even more fascinating is what Jesus does next is he, he commissions them. In Matthew chapter 10, the very next passage, Jesus called his 12 disciples to him and gave them authority to drive out impure spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. These are the names of the 12 apostles, Simon, Andrew, James, uh, John, Philip, Bartholomew, Thomas, Matthew, James, Thaddeus, Simon the Zealot, and Judas, who betrayed him. 
I mean, think about that for just a second. Like in, in this moment where we could just high-five Jesus for all these really cool and amazing miracles, what Jesus does is it's time to work. You've seen all of the things that I can do. You've seen all of the kingdom things that I'm going to do in this world, maybe on a smaller scale. But what Jesus says is like, now is the time that we get to work. Like now is the time that we turn our attention to growing this more. It's time to work. The harvest is plentiful and the workers are few. Uh, last week, uh, I think a lot of us, our attention was probably in different places. There's just a, a lot going on in the world. And like for me, last week, it was Hurricane Ida. So I, I was in children's church with Jennifer. We were teaching a, a, the, the class while the elders class was going on. And, and I was attempting to turn water into wine. It was, it was grape juice. I emphasized that with the kids. But I was attempting to, to make it look like I was turning water into wine because we were doing this kind of series on miracles. Didn't work. The kids hated it. Um, whatever. It was memory building, I guess. But the whole time that, that I'm, I'm attempting to do this, and again, the kids thought it was funny, even though I was like, it's gross. You don't want to try it. And they tried it anyway. But... Uh, the whole time we're doing this, like, my computer is on behind the kids, and I'm just, I'm watching this storm. I'm not a meteorologist. I really have no business telling people, like, what to do in the event of a storm. But, like, I just, I couldn't, like, pull my eyes away from it. And, like, and, and there was one point in the afternoon when it was like, you're not going to see anything that, like, the meteorologist, or, you know, it's like, I'm going to be like, wait, guys, I see something. I see some movement. Um, but I, I just kept, like, just watching it. And it just, it captivated me all day long. And even during this class, and I'm, I'm watching it, and then I'm, I'm texting Anne-Marie, and I'm like, hey, I know that, you know, you're in a situation, like, if you get bored, like, Judah will play iPhone games with you all day long. Like, we give him permission to do this. Like, and, you know, I'm texting the Koi's, and it's just, you're, you're seeing this, this monster of a storm barrel towards this community, this city. And, and, and I just, I don't know, you, you didn't know what to do, and you felt helpless, and then you, just, you start watching the coverage, and you see the destruction, and you see the pain, and then you see like, what it, it did in New Orleans, these, these other lower communities in Louisiana. And then on Monday, you, you start to see the pictures of the actual destruction. And like this picture, uh, the first one we've got, uh, a reporter here in town was, was down there, and he, he walked up on this, this uh, business on Monday. Uh, Mitchell McCoy is his name, but uh, he walked up to this business, and he said, what are you doing? Uh, which is like a weird question when you see some people like going through clearly, you know, a destructive uh, situation in their business. But they said, this is our business and it was destroyed in the hurricane. Uh, we are trying to find all of the br bricks that, that aren't demolished, that are reusable. And we're, we're going to build our business back with what is kind of left that we can use. And I saw that and I thought, okay, like a little bit of like hope in this storm. Of these people who were like, this is their business. This is what they were doing for their life. And what they see is an opportunity to rebuild. You know, instead of looking at this as like a, a, a terrible situation where you can know, give up, what they saw is a hope to re rebuild, a hope to renew, a hope to restore. And then you, you start like turning your attention from the destruction and you start looking at the, the restoration. And I was captivated this week by the stories of the Cajun Navy. Um, after a quick Google search, these are not commissioned by the government, uh, but the Cajun Navy is a, a group of individuals who, after a storm passes, as soon as like, the winds go, they get on their john boats and they just start going into these communities. 
Like they have uh, kind of a network where you could send a, you know, a text message or a Facebook message or whatever uh, to contact them and say, like, hey, my family, they live in this area. Could you go check on them? We know that it's flooded there. But like the second the storms pass, these guys get in their boats and they just start going. And you start to hear stories like that where you're like, okay, like, yeah, there's a lot of bad stuff that's happened in Louisiana, but there are a lot of good people working hard to make sure that that city rebuilds. And then to come full circle with food, uh, the last pictures that I want to show is uh, Jose Andres, who is um, chef of World Kitchen. He, what he does is the second that it's okay for people to come into a community, he goes and sets up shop in these areas of destruction and just starts serving food. Um, I think the next picture that we've got, Rob, um, the power was out. I think it was on Monday evening that this picture was taken, but um, there's still no power in the city, and I know that a lot of the city of New Orleans is still struggling with power. But what he asked people to do was to back your trucks up so they could use the, the taillights of the trucks so they could have light and so they could keep feeding food to people even though the power was out in these communities. And you see stories like this of individuals who are willing to go and work even in the destruction and say, you know what, I'm going to help you rebuild. Um, there, there are a few kind of local guys that have worked with Jose Andres, um, Excaliburger and Slaters as well, just to give them a shout out. But those individuals have worked with Word Kitchen too. But what is fascinating and captivating about stories like this is they see moments of destruction, they see moments of difficulty, and they say, look, we can help you rebuild. We want to do the work. We want to get in there and we want to serve. We want to get into our John boats and go see who needs help because of flooding. We want to pull up our trailers and we want to start serving food to people that are hungry. We want to start taking bricks and say, look, let's see what we can use and let's rebuild this. And so we come back to this passage in Matthew chapter 9 where Jesus says, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Now, every time I, I preach, I, I try to leave you with just like one nugget to chew on, like something to think about this week or a challenge or whatever. And, and what I landed on this week is this. If you're working, if you're, if you're grinding, if you're doing things to build the kingdom of God, keep going. Even if it's challenging, even if you look at these obstacles, you say, how, how am I going to get past X, Y, Z? Hold strong. Look at the story of Ezra. The people of, of God had to wait two decades before they could get past it. But they kept going. Now, if you're not working, a little difficult. But if you're not working, find something that you're passionate about. Maybe it's a ministry. Maybe it's a community. Maybe it's an organization locally that you can pour into and really bring more of the kingdom of God to this earth. Because we are called to do God's work. And as Jesus says in Matthew 9, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. The reward is there, but we have to work at it. If we want to, to rebuild, we have to be active participants in that kingdom building. And so this week, that is my challenge to you. And, and to remind you that the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Let's stand and sing.